You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here talking all things Texas A&M, and we haven't really talked a lot about A&M basketball this year, but with the SEC actually looking like a very competitive division in the conference of basketball, why don't we break that down today? This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On to save 20% off your first purchase. That promo code is LockedOn at BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this or a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow right here at Mr. Cole Thompson. And secondly, at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes and listen on Spotify if you can't do any of that. Listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So we're going to talk basketball today. And the reason I want to do this is because of the season was actually supposed to start last week for A&M. But because they decided not to go play against uh, West Virginia in the crossover classic in, uh, what is it, South Dakota, if I'm not mistaken, they now will begin their season on November 29th at home uh, against the University of New Orleans. Now, of course, this came out from uh, Texas a athletic director Ross Bjork said the decision was made after an input of public health experts and the school's medical team seeing a rise of COVID-19 cases across the country, including in South Dakota. Bjork said in the official school statement that it was most prudent to stay in Texas and work on the schedule for a home game at Reed Arena. For anyone that doesn't understand this, the spikes that come throughout the country right now are very detrimental to a team's prognosis, to their overall you know, factor, and you're watching what's happening with A&M, especially in their own state, they've had spikes. And they've had a lot of spikes when it comes to just the actual spike in the middle of dang Texas. I mean, Texas is becoming a hot spot. And South Dakota actually is 12% higher of a risk to get COVID-19 up there than it is even here. And this is one of the most hottest red spike states in the country right now. So for A&M, playing in this game could mean more cancellation. And with basketball, it's a little different. You're not missing maybe one game. You're missing about five. Five is about a tenth of your season. Just automatically gone. And all these non-conference games, they're not going to reschedule them. So when it comes down to seeding for the SEC tournament, for um, the NCAA tournament, when it comes down to all that, this becomes a problem for A&M because of, unfortunately... They're not going to have those non-power five game. I mean, those non-conference games to boost up their record. So if you finish, say, you know, eight and eight in conference, that's okay. But it's okay because of you have those fifteen other games that boost your status to maybe eight losses on the year, nine losses on the year. That's a little easier to reprimand, and one of those things that's very easier to play in your favor. It's not the same way. When you don't have those games on the schedule. So I look at this and this is a problem for AM, And I get why they're doing it. It's actually very smart of them to do it this way. I know having a game against a top 15 opponent. If they could have gotten the win. That would have been awesome. 
I mean, everyone knows what West Virginia does with Huggy and his staff. Everyone knows how good this team can be. And everyone saw last year why Buzz Williams was brought in. But I don't think it's worth risking any player getting contacted. And then once tracing begins, the entire staff has to go under quarantine. It's not just one person. It's the entire staff. And then when you have the entire staff under, that becomes a problem because of now nobody can play. I mean, you're watching what is happening with A&M. I mean, legitimately. One player and a couple of personnel members around the building were caught with COVID-19. They haven't played in two weeks. Basketball, it's a lot closer. You're a lot more around each other. You can't really, I think, do six feet apart for basketball. Even in practice, it's very hard to do that because if you're trying to make sure that you get the shot off, you're making, you're taking, you know, you're looking at all the plays, you're looking at where formations are going, which, uh, you know, what kind of, uh, what, what are you going to run? I just don't see it that way. And because of that, get why they're not playing this upcoming weekend. But they will play on November 29th, which is Sunday, uh, against the University of New Orleans. Now, the Privateers will be the first of, I believe, is it three non-S, uh, you know, non-FBS games before they take on TCU. Then they go back to take on Southeastern Louisiana and Wofford to close out their play in non-conference games outside of, of course, of the Big Ten, Big Twelve SEC tournament crossover that you see every year. That year it will be Kansas State against the Aggies in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, then they will also have. Couple more games against SEC opponents after that weekend in Manhattan. But I do want to bring up this to the attention of people. There's not a big difference in the SEC in basketball this year. There's two top 10 teams right now, and that is Kentucky and it's Tennessee. What Rick Barnes' team has been built to become is very impressive. I look at this team and I go, okay, this is going to be something to watch for. But outside of that, I mean, I look at every single other person on this list, and they're all kind of just around. No one, I think, has really taken a big-time step in the offseason. So this could be a big year for A&M, especially if they're trying to show that in Buzz Williams' second season, they're going from potentially a fringe bubble team, maybe just a heartbreaker in the SEC tournament, to full-fledged competitor when it comes to actually going towards the tournament. Last season, they were the number seven seed in Nashville. This year, I could see them being a top four seed if everything goes the way they can. They didn't lose that much offensively. Defensively is where the problem's going to be. But I do think that this team still can be one of the more impressive teams in the SEC based off how they start off SEC play. And they're going to have a very good test to begin the year when it comes time for SEC games because of, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they'll take on Auburn in their second SEC game after facing off against World Wade's LSU. And then they face off against Frank Martin and South Carolina. With the holidays right around the corner, do you ever feel like you're just always on? Whether that mean you having to go through social expectations or work or family or friends, you never just have that moment for yourself where you can just sit back, relax, and enjoy an ice cold beer. If you do get that moment, I always recommend taking the load off with an ice cold Coors Light because it's literally made to chill. 
Coors Light wants you to know, know that no matter what sport is on this holiday season, Saturdays are your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing this year, there's still plenty of teams and sports to watch on TV to give you an excuse to chill and drink a beer. Watching football is therapeutic to fans because it's uninterrupted me time. But even if you go out for a party, whether it be at the Christmas party or your Thanksgiving party, you still want to relax. And when you drink an ice cold Coors Light, you know that that taste will be there because it's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Literally, it's made to chill, and it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind, so when you need to hit your reset button, reach for the beer that's literally made to chill. Join the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And remember, celebrate responsibly. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, you need to on something. Do you love quality podcasts running your favorite sports teams? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Texas A&M is going to be a weird team this year in basketball. Could be really good, could be really bad. Because if they're not returning their main guys, which I would say last year was Josh Nebo, who was their big man up the middle, and also Wendell Mitchell on the outside. I mean, Nebo averaged 13.2 points per game. He also was second, I think, in the SEC, second or third in the SEC, in rebounds per game. He was great on the inside. He was able to work his way ins and outs. He was good defensively. He did a lot of great things. Wendell Mitchell was one of the better three-point shooters on the team. He averaged 12.2 points per game. He also averaged three rebounds a game. Both of those players were seniors and they graduated. So you're going to have to really come back and replace Nebo's production. That's a little harder than I think anywhere else. Now, you look at the roster right now, off size alone, Emmanuel Miller, the sophomore from Canada, likely is going to get the first call. And if it's not him, you're going to at least have, I would say, maybe Jonathan Aku. He's the sophomore from Nigeria. Really step up. Aku is kind of the name that I think people forget about because of he didn't really do a lot last year. He averaged one point, uh, one point per game, 2.3 rebounds, one, persi- uh, one assist, and he averaged 47.8 from the field goal range. Meanwhile, Miller had so much flash. He didn't have any, like, outstanding... He had a few outstanding games overall, but it, there wasn't a lot of just, like, consistency with him, is the best way to put it. But he averaged 6.4 points per game. He averaged 6.3 rebounds per game. He also averaged 40% from the field goal range. He played in an average of 22 minutes per uh, per game. Was very essential in the team's SEC season more than anything else. And on the year, he was pretty decent overall. He was better defensively than he was offensively. He's six foot seven. He's a little bit smaller than what um, what Nebo was, but I do think he can fit out there. Now, on the opposite side, where does the shooting come in? I think the first name you got to go to is Savion Flag. Flag was the guy I think a lot of people saw step up immensely last year in his fi- in his junior season. He finished with an average of 10.4 points per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, 2.5 assists, and he was 41% from the field goal range. He was the starter at point guard. He did a lot of different things. 
moving the ball around. He set up a lot of pick and rolls. He did a great job towards the end of the year. His uh, his field goal percentage went up in almost every game. He had a career high uh, in field goal percentage of 75% against LSU in that uh, 64-50 loss. And he also averaged, uh, I believe he had, in one of these games, I know he had, uh, he had, yeah, it was the um, it was the LSU game. He had uh, 26 points or something like that. So there's definitely so much potential there for what he can bring. You also have to look at Andre Gordon, who kind of was definitely the strangest player on the team because of there were so many moments where people thought he was going to become the full-time starter at point guard. And instead, he had his great games, and by the end of the year, he kind of was falling off, so he saw less time, he saw less minutes. I mean, think about this for a second. He was playing an average of, I think it was like 30 minutes or so going into, like it was 30 or 40 minutes at the very start of the year. By the end, he was playing about 12 to 15 minutes. He played only 13 minutes against Kentucky, played 13 minutes against Mississippi State, he did play 26 minutes, though, against Auburn in that 78-75 victory on the Plains in their own backyard, but his shooting went down. I mean, he was, in his last game against Arkansas, he didn't make a single shot, and for the year, he averaged, I believe it was 6.3 yard, 6.3 points per game, 2.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists, and his shooting percentage actually was great at one point. It was as high as, I think it was 44 or 45%, and then towards the end of the year, I mean, he had five games, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Kentucky, LSU, and Arkansas, where he didn't make a single shot at all. Like, not even a three-pointer, like, just throw it up there. So he got limited because of that. I want to see him take that next step because he is the guy who last season was the hot name. He kind of broke out before Emmanuel Miller did. And when you look at what this team has in points and what they look at, they have at, at, at shooters, Gordon could be honestly the best one of them all. Flag right now going into the year, I definitely think is. But I do think you look at him, you look at Flag, you look at Chandler, uh, you look at, even you could probably, I would say, throw in Quentin Jackson, who can do a little bit of both in the paint and also on the outer perimeter. They have shooters. But the one that's going to be that x-factor kind of guy I would say is probably Gordon for no other reason than he's the one that has the most untapped potential we saw last year I mean there were stretches last year when you watched him play he was the most commanding shooter on the field and then towards the end of the season he just kind of diminished there really wasn't anything else there other than kind of minor setbacks but that's just it is they have to be setbacks they can't be problems for the future they have to be setbacks for the past to help build off of it because the other thing I want to look for is momentum everyone remembers how the season ended last year they had a great great start I mean a terrible start to the year in SEC play they, they had a good start overall, actually. And then they went to that tournament in the Bahamas and they dropped every game. They weren't great. And then they got that big monumental win. The win that people would talk about. The one that people would go, wow, okay, now I get it. Now I understand why this is happening. And it was the Auburn game. 
They got a big time win over Auburn in the Plains. And they set themselves up with another win over Arkansas. Then just had everything looking like they were at least going to go to the third round of the SEC tournament. And then they got called off because of coronavirus. And after that, you had to look at the momentum that had been carried over. And you had to wonder, okay, is this going to be the same team that closed out the year with two big-time wins over programs that, at the time, were so much more better than them? Better recruited, better coached, better in better positions to win. But they were the hottest team in the SEC. Can they carry that over? Because the problem is, is that they also lose three guys who were essential to the team's success last year. In Mark French, who was a vocal leader of the team. Josh Nebo, great in the paint. And Wendell Mitchell. Everyone else was kind of playing behind those three. Not in the sense of actually playing behind them, but they were, I think, the three most essential players to the team's success. Now you have to find those guys who will step up this year. If you can find that, you're in a very good spot. But who are the guys, or the question? Where do they go? What role will they play? And how soon will they find that momentum? Because again, early games in the SEC sometimes are a knife in the dagger. They are a knife in the coffin. You're done. And there's nothing else really you can do about it. It's just... Say thank you for playing and we'll see you next time. But I want to know what's going to happen with that. We're going to talk about every single SEC game, look at the schedule ahead, see where AM ranks, and is Buzz Williams going to have a better record than last year? We'll be discussing all that in just a quick moment. Howdy, everybody. Colt Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Aggies, let's talk about the college football playoff. With the rankings officially coming out, where will Texas AM stand and how will they have to battle their way into the top four? We're discussing all that tomorrow. Make sure you tune in every single day at Locked On Aggies. Guys, this episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, I know you know the promo code about Built Bar in the past and how they have 12 amazing different flavors, but now they have six brand new flavors to go with them, including Apple Almond Crisp, Cherry Bakia, and of course, Salted Caramel Brownie. These bars are more like candy bars than they are protein bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Plus, they're great for someone on the keto diet because they're high in fiber, low calorie, low sugar, and great for anyone on the go. I right now cannot put down the peanut butter protein bar, and it has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else out on the shelves. And when you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you're following us at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. When looking at the SEC schedule this year, multiple teams have lost a ton. So I look at A&M right now and let's break down every single game that they can win or potentially could lose. I think that there's at least several trap games here and there, but I'm going to go with what I know. They start the season off with New Orleans. I think that's going to be a big-time win for them. Listen, it's a home game. It's at Reed Arena. They're going to try to make sure that they set the tone early this year. I think that this will be the game that they do win. Next game up is Tarleton State. Another win. Definitely another win. Tarleton is not known for basketball. They're known for agriculture. I do not even expect it to be a close game. After that, you have the Texas Rio Grande, uh, Rio Grande Valley Valcrezos. Never even heard of them. Um, I'm going to go with a win on this one. That game will be played on December 6th. After that, December 12th, first road trip of the season. Can they keep it 4-0 against TCU? 
I think they do. I definitely think that they will keep it 4-0. Um, I look at TCU's roster. They're one of the worst uh, shooting teams returning into the SEC. Next game is against Southeastern Louisiana. I expect them to get a win over them at Reed Arena. And then they close out the year with Wofford in non-conference play. This would be the game I wonder about. Wofford has been known to play decent basketball, and it's one of those games where I think the the focus is turned so much towards SEC play. You look at how last season A&M barely beat Texas Southern uh, right before the start of the new year. I look at it the exact same way. It's going to be played around the same time, uh, December 21st versus you know de- uh, de- December 30th. So they're not connect with each other, but I look at this game and the attention is going to be on LSU for the 29th it's not going to be anywhere else so I just don't see how it's going to be maybe it'll be close I still think A&M wins but it could be definitely against them overall LSU this is going to be a right this could be a game that they're going to want to they're going to want to play you know last season they took LSU in their very first game in SEC play down to the wire they didn't get it done. They had to go to overtime, five more minutes. It was all LSU after that. I think that they're going to split it. I don't know if they'll win the home game or the away game, but I think that they go one-on-one one against LSU. Next, Auburn. Auburn's got a lot of problems basketball-wise. I mean, you look at how this team is built. You look at what's going on with them. They're, they're already saying that they're going to take sanctions because they're going to skip out in the postseason. So I think Auburn may just be in a whole brand-new rebuild kind of year. And that'll be the end of it. I don't see them really going in any other direction than probably down. So that uh, that first game of the new year on on uh, January second, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take A and M completely. They go to South Carolina. They play Columbia. I think this is where they either get their first loss on the year. Maybe it's their second, depending on the LSU game. Uh, I think Frank Martin's team is a lot better than people are giving them credit for. Uh, I definitely think that South Carolina has always been a very good team. I just feel like. They have so much expectation right now because of what happened in the early years. So I'm going to say they get the win here, but then they're definitely going to lose at home to Tennessee. What Rick Barnes has done, I look at what Rick Barnes' team is. I think Rick Barnes is fantastic. I think that he has continued the tradition of Tennessee basketball being pretty good. And I think that they're going to get a win at Reed Arena over the Aggies. Next up, they face Ben Howland's Mississippi State Bulldogs. I, I think the Bulldogs are going to be an improved team this year, kind of like AM. I think they split the series. They face them uh, towards the end of the season. It's the very last game on March 3rd. They also face them on um, January 13th. So I'm going to say they split it. I'm going to say that they get one win, they get one loss. So now they're at two losses on the year. I'm going to say the same thing with Arkansas. Eric Musselman has done a fantastic job going from Nevada and bringing that winning culture to Fayetteville. They're going to split it again. They face Arkansas on the 6th and also on the uh, 20th of February. I think Missouri, they get both wins over over Missouri. I think Conzo uh, Martin's team is okay. I don't think they're anything good. And last year, Missouri proved to be the weaker opponent. Jerry Stackhouse and Vanderbilt, I think it'll be an improved Vanderbilt team. I do think that AM will lose one of these two for sure. I think it'll be the very first one in Nashville this year. I think they'll get the comeback win in, um, in uh, College Station. So I'm going to go that they get a big victory there. The upset game is going to be the Alabama game. I think Alabama gets one, if not both wins over them. I think Nate Oates, what he's doing with this program to be able to keep some of the players who were thinking of transferring or also just thinking about leaving to go to the NBA draft altogether. I look at that and I go, okay, 
if you build off of that, you're in a really good spot. And he made Buffalo one of the more surprising teams in college basketball back in 2018. So I think that everything will be working out for the Crimson Tide this year. I think this will be their first tournament appearance since 2013, I want to say it was. But I do believe they'll get the win on uh, February 17th. Kentucky, they're going to lose that game, unfortunately. Kentucky, every single year, they find ways to recruit better. They find ways to be better. I think the Auburn game is like, that was their big time game last year. They tried to go ahead and play against Kentucky. They really couldn't get it done. So that was a problem. I think they're, I don't know enough about Kansas State to say they're going to win that game or lose that game. So I just put them in a loss right now. They're at six losses on the year. And then there's going to be an upset between either Georgia or Florida. Florida is a team that I think still is trying to find their identity since losing Billy Donovan. They never had one basketball style. They've been around, but they've never been great. They've just been a team that's there. I mean, that's the best way to put it. And then when Donovan left, they found ways to have other opponents be kind of a little bit better. So I think that maybe I could see that being the upset loss. But there's definitely at least two upset losses on their schedule moving into the second half of the season. So I say overall, they're going to finish with six losses in conference play, maybe eight total losses on the year. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow's show, let's preview the college football playoff rankings. They come out at 7 p.m. on Tuesday night. Let's talk about Texas A&M, where they fall, and we will see you then. Remember, here we go. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.